the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Important show today, important show today. Glad to be together. Thank you for tuning in. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Please uh, do me a favor, do yourself a favor, and visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. When you go to ProAmericaReport.com, you will find, well, a lot of things you need, a lot of things you can do, a lot of ways to look at uh, what's happening. There's a wonderful... uh, uh, the wonderful uh, clips of these many interviews we're doing, but also you can sign up for the daily email that goes out, and it is uh, very, very helpful, if I do say so myself. It goes out every morning, Monday through Friday gives you what you need to know. Uh, a few a few links, a few stories, key t- key points, really worth doing. Please sign up there. Okay, in a few moments, we'll talk with Eric Metaxas. Eric Metaxas is a well-known radio host and author. This time, his book is called Fish Out of Water. Fish Out of Water, and it's um, a book, kind of a memoir, a memoir, and it's available everywhere you buy books. We'll talk with Eric Metaxas about that, uh, and you can uh, go to ericmetaxas.com to see that. We'll also talk with Dr. Brett M. Decker. Dr. Decker is, of course, our regular guest. We'll talk with him about the topic I'm about to broach with you. And that is this. This topic, it's so clearly uh, one of the most egregious things we've ever seen in American political life, uh, in media and all. And let's get into it. It's this. Was and did the Wuhan virus come out of Wuhan? You'll recall about a year ago, President Donald Trump was absolutely attacked, relentlessly attacked, over the idea that he referred to the disease, the COVID, COVID-19 it was called, that it was coming from Wuhan and China. And he called it the Wuhan flu, the Wu flu, the uh, Kung flu. That was a particularly shocking to the, uh, the media. And because Trump, he disputed some of the experts who said there was no real proof that it was a um, that this virus came out of the Wuhan lab in China. And he said, yeah, I've seen enough that it makes me think it's po- probable. I think that's how he said it. Well, now, all this time later, over a year later now, we have evidence emerging that at least two people who worked at the Wuhan lab went home in 2019 with symptoms of something like COVID. And we now have growing evidence that, that, that this did emerge from the lab, that it didn't come from wet markets or whatever else. And what we don't know yet, by the way, we should be clear, is we don't know if it was intentional. We don't know if it was accidental. We don't know any of that. But at this point, we have no reason to believe the Chinese communists, that the regime, that they're telling us the truth. There's nothing in their recent record that makes us feel like, oh, yeah, they're shooting straight with us. Nothing. That's not even a real thing. And so now the media, the mainstream media, big tech, I mean, excuse me, big media is now the fake news is now literally trying to rewrite history. 
And remember, let's pause for a moment. President Trump said that, and it became like a contest. Could could they get another speaker, another interviewer who would say how offensive this was? Meanwhile, by the way, for 100 years, we've talked to the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu, by the way, I don't think it started. I think it's actually, most people think it started. The first big outbreak might have been in Portugal, but it was called the Spanish flu because that's where the uh, big coverage of it started. So it's not like the naming of these things happens sort of uh, in some specific way. There's not a naming authority. But if you watch, you saw the World Health Organization, you saw the uh, international organization, international community rise up and defend the idea that we had to call it something else, COVID or coronavirus, COVID-19. And, you know, frankly, it's very effective to change the name. If, you ch- if, if, if the disease was called Wuhan virus or the China virus or the Chinese virus, I think actually someone said that China virus was a fairer name. Uh, certainly that's where it emerged. Whatever the reason that, but it would associate this situation with the rivalry, at the very least, you can call it that, with China, with the communist regime. Because remember, the communist regime right now has a track record. For the last 10 years or so, they've been sending fentanyl into our country. The, the communist regime, which controls their economy and therefore controls who makes fentanyl and therefore knows who's making the fentanyl that's sent into America and kills between 50, 60, 70,000 people a year. We know that the Chinese regime has done uh, wholesale uh, intellectual property theft or appropriation. Sometimes they do it by a contract. They force businesses to do it and shame on the businesses that go ahead. But other times they just steal it. We know that the communist regime is has a bunch of people in camps, Uyghurs, Muslims, uh, because they don't like their religion. That we know that there's persecution of the um, of the uh, Christian churches. We know that the Fulan Gong, the practitioners of Fulan Gong, have been targeted. We know all these things. We know all of them, right? We know it's very clear. And yet, we were pressured to not be so darn uh, difficult, so darn tough, so darn uh, harsh as to call this uh, a virus. But but back to the bigger, you know, the overlay here. The media is now racing to rewrite their history, to say that they didn't actually dispute the uh, characterization. They just thought that Trump was rushing to judgment or they actually thought there was something wrong and they really didn't. Look, the, the, the Chinese regime was not forthcoming with what happened. They have a record of lying to us regularly. That's what they do. And so we shouldn't be surprised that now when we're trying to figure out exactly what happened and, and some facts are coming out, that there's, a, that there's a still not telling the truth. You know, we're finally getting some of the evidence that the, the labs in Wuhan were actually getting funding, at least through the World Health Organization or others, that we were you know, encouraging some kind of development. Again, we don't know yet if this was a weapon. But, you know, one of the things that I haven't understood is either they're lying about the Chinese uh, people's recovery or they've been able to get it under control faster than anywhere else in the world. And I don't think it's just because they had everybody uh, able to to, uh, quarantine. I wonder if we're going to find out at some point that the disease has a higher incidence or has an incidence uh, of affecting certain people more. It could just be, by the way, that it's uh, the comorbidities that that, uh, the disease takes advantage of, like obesity are more prevalent in, in Western countries like America. I mean, there's not a lot of obesity in China. That's not something you see much of. And so maybe that's only that's the only difference. But if you could have, if you could develop a virus that was targeted to hurt America or hurt the West, it looks a lot like what they did. It, 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 it seems to have some of them. But anyway, we don't know that yet. But now we at least know 
that we haven't been told the truth. I mean, we have concrete evidence of that. So now the question is, if we're going to get to the bottom of the Wuhan virus, we cannot trust the media to do it. They're not trustworthy. We cannot trust, at this point, the communist regime to tell us. So who are we going to trust? Is there anyone that's going to get to the bottom of this? Is there anyone in Congress that's going to start having hearings? Couldn't the Congress, instead of pretending that they care about January 6th and the, and the so-called insurrection, the lie, the, the big lie about that, instead, can you imagine if we had let's have a let's have a house and senate committee hold hearings on when the communist regime knew about the wuhan lab and what they did about it and let's get to the bottom of whether they were complicit in in putting americans in danger that would be a good use of our time that would be a good use of uh, of congress's power can you imagine get to the bottom of who knew what and when and see what the answers are you know, I mean, again, that seems to me to be uh, investi- investigations that are, are really necessary. And frankly, if we get to the bottom of it and we find out uh, uh, that people knew or should have known something, good, good. World Health Organization, wh- whoever else, let's, let's see what we can find out about who knew what and when and get to the bottom of it. I think that would be a really smart thing to do. I think we can do it, and I think we should uh, try very hard to make that the reality going forward. All right, everybody, that's what we're looking at today. We're going to come back and we'll talk with Eric Metaxas. We'll also talk with Dr. Brett M. Decker and a lot more. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, sign up for the Daily Wink there, and otherwise uh, uh, also uh, check all these great interviews. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Very privileged. Our next guest is Eric Metaxas, who is, of course, now well-known. He's not only a writer, he's been an author for many, many years. He's now also does a radio show, which is a podcast. He's on TV regularly. He's really become a thought leader. I have to tell you, Eric, it's great to have you on. We're going to talk about your new book. But for many of us, including our Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, it was the book that really just, I think, brought a lot of people to say, wow, and made me go read everything else you wrote was Bonhoeffer, the book on yeah. Bonhoeffer, the biography, boy, it was so powerful. Uh, he has Eric Metaxas as New York Times uh, number one best-selling author. He's written a book, Martin Luther, If You Can Keep It, Bonhoeffer, Seven Women, Seven Men, Amazing Grace, the scores of books for children, and uh, just the guy is a prolific. So welcome, Eric Metaxas, to the program. Thank uh, you. I hope you're doing well today. Thank you so much. I'm doing very well because I'm talking to you uh, and your patriotic audience, which uh, I don't take lightly in these kooky times. I um, Yeah, the Bonhoeffer book really put me on the map. And it's interesting. I have to be honest and say, I just believe it was God's timing because I didn't have some secret plan to, you know, write a, a, a big book on Bonhoeffer and it changed my career. I just thought I'm doing what God made me to do, which is uh, use my gifts as, as a writer. People like my writing, which, it, you know, thrills me to hear that because I think these stories are important. And sometimes books are just, they're not easy to read. And so you don't read it, even though it's important. But people have told me that my Bonhoeffer book, at first it's daunting because it's long, but tons of people who don't read said to me, I read the whole book. And I think it's because it's a combination of things and it gets us to where we are in America today. People reading the story of Bonhoeffer can kind of smell that this is happening in America. It's kind of bizarre. I do believe it's a kind of a prophetic thing that, that, you know, it wasn't like it's just a coincidence that I wrote it. I really believe that we need to be prepared so that we don't make the same mistakes 
the Germans did. Uh, and, you know, the more you know about it, the more you realize how easy it is for good people to make mistakes and for some people just to do nothing. As we all know, you know, that all you need for yeah. good uh, evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. And I think we're seeing a lot of good people doing nothing today. And so the few of us who are aware, we need to speak up uh, as loudly as we can. Yeah, we're, talk- we're talking with uh, Eric Metaxas, and we're referring right now to the book. It came out August of 2011. I looked it up, the Bonhoeffer book. So it's almost almost 10 years old, but it really does speak to today. That's one of the reasons I remember it is it was talking. Bonhoeffer was far from perfect, but, and he was torn about what to do, and he was living in a plane. It was, things were changing so quickly. It really is very inspirational. Um, Eric, uh, your book, the newest book you have, which is really, it's called, a fish, it's called Fish Out of Water, A Search for the Meaning of Life, and it's a memoir. Here's the question I have. I want to ask Eric, because I know you do your radio show. You're regularly got people that come to you. There is a kind of there is a kind of searching right now. People had to lock down. They had to change their life. There's uncertainty. People are really searching now and it, they're uncertain. And I guess you've been writing this book yeah. for a while. But how does it fit into what you feel from your listeners and readers? Well, I guess um, the the reason it's called Fish Out of Water, A Search for the Meaning of Life, is that I was, uh, I always felt a little bit like a fish out of water. I go into that in the book. A lot of it is funny, and that's my greatest joy is that people are, are <laughs> laughing when they read the book, and I, I get that a lot. So, so there's a lot of funny stuff in it, but it's all true. All the stories are true. They happen to me, and it's the story of growing up in a, in a world where I think Things shifted for me when I went to college. I, I had the privilege uh, of going to Yale University, which in retrospect uh, is, you know, on the one hand, it's a privilege. On the other hand, it's bad because it's a very spiritually dark place, very politically left, dramatically leftist. Uh, and I was really lost thinking, you know, I, I grew up going to church. Do I really believe this stuff? The zeitgeist, the... the uh, the, at places like Yale and now in the whole culture is very secular. Uh, and they really are saying in a way there is no truth. We don't want to talk about that. And, and so it gets serious toward the end. But I have to say that if you don't know that God is real, uh, that the Bible is true, when you live in crazy times like this, there's no handhold. You don't know how to steady yourself because everything is in flux. And I really think that what happened to me at the end of the book, The Epiphany, which gets to the title, Fish Out of Water, uh, it changed my life forever. And I thought the least I could do is share that story with people. So even though a lot of it is funny and it's meant to be a fun read for everybody, at the end I talk about how the, the one thing that I didn't know was real, which is God and this idea of real truth, and that, it, it, it comes to me genuinely miraculously. There's no other word for it. And it changed everything. I mean, it wasn't like a kind of a weird thing. And I thought, hey, I'm going to go with this. I mean, it was dramatic and life changing. Uh, and it happens. And I wasn't exactly uh, expecting it. That's putting it mildly. And it really just changed my life so that now when I go through tough times, like what I'm going through now, as all Americans are going through, if you're paying any attention, I know what's real, even though there's a lot of, you know, there's fake news, there's a lot of gaslighting going on, more than we've ever seen. 
you have to know how can I stand straight? How can I even know that it's worth standing up straight and fighting for what is right and true? And so a lot of times people say to me, oh, thank you for speaking up. You're being courageous and stuff. And I think it doesn't feel like courage to me. It feels like <laughs> I have no choice. Yeah. I have no choice. Yeah. I, I, I would die if I couldn't speak the truth. And I don't care if you kill me. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid. Of, you know, I just believe in if you don't do what is right and true, you're already dead. And I think that a lot mm-hmm. of people in America today, they're living in fear. They're afraid to speak up. You cannot live like that. Life is not meant for us to live like that. And uh, in my book, you know, it's a it's a way, um, Fish Out of Water, I mean, the new book, Fish Out of Water is yeah. a way of helping people, I think, understand that, no, you're, you're not crazy. There is... There is truth, uh, and there are lies, there is good, and there is evil, but we need to know it, and, and we need to know it in our guts. Otherwise, if you're just hoping, sometimes hope is not enough. Sometimes you really need to know, and this is kind of the story of how I came to know those things. Hmm. We're talking with Eric Metaxas. By the way, his website, which I'll put up on social media, is ericmetaxas.com, and it's M-E-T-A-X-A-S, for those of you that haven't seen his name spelled or are spelling it right now. Uh, it's a really cool website, by the way, because one feature is you can click on Eric's schedule, and I just realized that he's kind of in my neck of the woods about four weeks from now at a, at a local church, and I thought I'm going to track him down and, and go maybe get a book signed or whatever. So it's good, a good feature there. But I did link, you have on your blog, uh, The Atlantic, which is no conservative <laughs> entity, Wrote right. a wrote a piece on you, and the title is, of course, they're, they're such they're liars and thieves and all. But it says the Atlantic. Arimatexas believes America is creeping towards Nazi Germany. That's meant to catch the eye. But it goes on at length to talk about you as just what you just said, fearless in speaking the truth. Where are we right now? Where where are we really? And what do you? A lot of people feel frozen by the moment and uh, and and by the confusion. Where where are we? And where do we need to be moving as a people? Well, I mean, on the one hand, we're kind of like Wiley Coyote, uh, you know, having run <laughs> off the cliff and we're standing like 30 feet off the cliff uh, and uh, there's no way to get back. That's where we are. And I would say bluntly, apart from God, we're dead. We are as a nation, as a republic. There's no real natural hope that I see. But here's the thing. My faith in God, who has his hand on this nation, is real, and and let, or let me put it another way. My, my faith in God is not faith in some kind of hopeful, I hope, I hope. God is real. Now, there are a lot of people that don't believe that, or I think we're talking about a philosophy or something. I really believe God's had his hand on this nation historically, just as he has his hand on Israel. There are nations that are... Um, chosen by God for God's purposes. This doesn't make us better. It, it makes us, in a way, more responsible to the rest of the world. We have freedoms and wealth and, and history that others don't have. And, and I've come to the conviction that God is not done with us, and that, let's say, even if he were, we've got to look to him. And I'm not trying to be just religious. What I'm trying to say is this is reality. Sometimes when we talk about God, people act like it's not really reality. It is more real than what we call reality. The God of history uh, is involved. Now, does that mean we have things to do? Yes, we have things to do. We don't just say, hey, God, help us. What we need to do, what they didn't do in Germany, is we need to speak up. And I mean on every issue, I don't care what it is. If somebody tells you to wear a mask, 
you tell them, no, I don't feel like wearing a mask, or why should I wear a mask? If we don't push back on every little thing, uh, on whether the election was stolen, on whether it's good to get the vaccine or not good to get the vaccine, anytime anybody tells you, oh, you can't say that, you better say it loudly. Do not let people tell you what you can and can't say, what you can't. We are a free people and we need to exercise our freedoms. I wrote another, another book called If You Can Keep It, about Franklin's words mm-hmm. at the Constitutional Convention. If we do not live out our freedoms in a bold way, we're not going to have them for very long. In a way, that's the story of the Bonhoeffer book, is the Germans hesitated, the good Germans, the German church hesitated, and by the time they finally woke up, it was too late. I really do believe that in America, we have a window, but everybody has to make a decision. I'm going to do the right thing. Life is too short. I am not going to, you know, hang on for another year, whatever. Today, I'm going to speak up. Uh, I'm going to hold people accountable. I'm not going to play the game just to get by because there's no reason to get by if you're uh, enslaved. You need to be free. You need to keep your freedom. I, I'm, I'm very hopeful and I think it's real, but I think that uh, we, we really have to uh, we've got to take it seriously. This is not something that, you know, we just need to wait till next year. People need to understand what it means to be free and to exercise their freedom immediately. Uh, one, one, one more line of questions. It won't be one question. Eric, we're talking with Eric Metaxas. EricMetaxas.com is the place to go and, and you should, his memoir is just out, fish out of water, uh, worth, worth getting and worth listening and reading him. But here, back to this, just the point you made. I look around. I come from Missouri. I look around, you know, Senator Danforth, a big Yale guy, Jack Danforth, a senator. He's yeah. now the head of a, a, of a, of a religion institute at WashU. And he, he and I were friends. We've been friends. I'd still say friends. He, but he's a, I think he's an Episcopalian minister, a priest. And, yeah. um, we have, dis- we have different, opi- we used to have different opinions on, say, a- embryonic stem cell research. He, we'd disagree on that. And it would be somewhat tense. I practice law in his firm, but now, He's of the mind that all the people like me and I think you, we're way out of line. And and and, well, and, we're, well, can and I tell you something? Good for him. Yeah, he's wrong. Uh, <laughs> we can't care. Life is too short. You've got to do what is right. There are tons of people. It's disappointing. But there are tons of people that we would think would be our allies, or they would even say, you know what, I'm not sure if you're right, but I salute your, your wanting to be honest and brave. And, and in this country, when people tell you, hey, tone it down, take it easy, the election wasn't stolen, look, I'm not an idiot. I went to Yale University. Uh, I know that I'm at least bright enough to know when somebody's telling me, Keep moving. There's nothing to see because there is something to see. And my attitude right. is I would prefer if the election hadn't been stolen, if Biden had been elected by enough people that are really ignorant of, of who he is and what he stands for and whatever. At least I would know we had a fair election and that that the, the current leadership, quote unquote, was fair. But. I'm just saying that I'm not an idiot. And you know what? I even say, Yale, that's a joke. Most Americans, by far, are bright enough to see that when people say you can't talk about that, oh, there was an insurrection on January 6th, common sense says this is nonsense. They have an agenda. 
They don't like right. it. And then they're nice people like Dan Forth or whoever it is that they just want everybody to kind of get along. But when, when somebody puts a gun to your head, it's not a time to get along. And the, the current right. administration and the left, they put a gun to the head of Lady Liberty and Uncle Sam. And I'm not going to pretend that they're, they're, they're playing patty cake. They're, they're being nasty, uh, with those with right. whom they disagree. If you don't stand up to that, you're being very foolish. Uh, Eric Matak says one, one but follow on. The church leadership is too often cowed into not stepping up. That's what I wanted to say. Lots of leaders, whether you talk, go to the Catholics, go to the evangelicals, they're mostly saying, you know, they're just not, they're not as fearless as you are. Well, you know something, I, I'm really happy to say that uh, in California, for example, I have been uh, to California a, a few times in the last few months, and in your state, a number of pastors have been incredibly heroic. Uh, you've got Jack Hibbs, uh, you've got John MacArthur, you've got uh, Che Ahn, you've got uh, Rob McCoy. Those are just four off the top of my head. I've spoken in, in some of their churches. They have been incredibly heroic, and I got to tell you, uh, you probably know this, the state uh, of California just settled a lawsuit, and, and really what that means is they lost horribly. And because these guys have stood up and have been brave and strong, they have won a victory, and it's a victory for mm-hmm. every single American. And I just want to say those churches are exploding with numbers. People are hungry for that. People who are atheists are going to those churches because they say, I just like their attitude about freedom, their attitude about, uh, you know, what I can do and what I can't do. There's something about it that I like. I actually think this is a preparation for revival, that people in America that see what's going on, they are ceasing to go to the churches where people don't have the guts to speak up. They're saying, I'm just, I have no use for that. We're going through crazy times. I need real leadership. I need people who actually believe what they claim to believe. They don't just talk about it. They live it out. I mean, that's, I think, why the story of Bonhoeffer was such a a, a bestseller, because people, when you see a real person living that way, you say, you know what? I need more of that. We all want more Mm -hmm. of that. And so I just want to say that uh, to those in the church who are timid, read the Bonhoeffer book and remind yourself who was timid (laughs) and what happened. It's a good lesson. Right. All right. Hey, Eric Metaxas, again, the book, the new book is called Fish Out of Water, uh, a search for meaning of the, a search for the meaning of life, ericmetaxas.com. Thanks, Eric, very much and keep up the great work. We'll look forward to your next book and uh, hearing more of your voice. We appreciate you. Anytime, Ed. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here to Pro America Reports. Been a while. Been a couple weeks since we talked to Dr. Brett M. Decker. Dr. Decker, of course, is a New York Times bestselling author. He's written a number of books, and uh, he's also a retired journalist. I shouldn't say retired. He was once a journalist uh, for the Wall Street Journal in Asia, lived over in Hong Kong in the area, and also at the Washington Times. He was the editorial page editor. So he's been a reporter. He's been an editorial page editor, and currently he's a professor at Defiance College in Ohio teaching the youth, and Dr. Decker still sits on the United, United States, USA today's board of advisors for their editorial page. Dr. Decker, welcome back. Uh, my, first, I want to ask you, the swirling story, the main story, this covers two of your um, areas of at least uh, observed expertise. One is China, the communist regime in China, and the second is the media. So the media is now scrambling to recover from having basically said, if Trump said it, 
then it must be a lie. It must be untrue. But now it, one, they're wondering if it's true. And I'm talking right now about the news that the virus uh, out of the COVID-19 appears to have been in the Wuhan lab. There's a couple of Wuhan lab workers that had COVID. Uh, we're getting more details, but the media is scrambling to sort of rewrite history. What are your thoughts on this story? You know, one, I, I think it, it's going to be interesting a few years down the road when they're not as in, the media isn't as, as invested in being anti-Trump, how many stories leak out and how a lot of what we know uh, was not true, uh, these narratives pushed by the media, how many of them that were peddled end up not being true um, or things that were true that they said weren't just because of this anti-Trump fixation. And I think if, if, if anybody but Trump was in that was in the White House at the time, the most obvious factor to look at when a virus comes out of China and comes out of this place where they do animal testing and they, you know, and they do infectious diseases would be, wow, maybe this came out of the lab. So, you know, from, from even, you don't even have to be an investigator or a researcher to know, well, too many coincidences line up and it's probably not a coincidence. Like, that the source of this virus came out of the place where you have this lab doing this kind of work. It, right? I mean, at a certain point, things line up. And, and I, I think right now, I think what's fascinating is that, um, you know, Biden is only a few months in and already a lot of the baloney narrative is starting to come apart. And we're, you know, and we're starting to see how much of things, like even if you look at the, the Capitol protest that they're saying was an insurrection, well, you know, now we learn that nobody beat to death a cop, right? This policeman had a heart attack. Unfortunate, but uh, protesters didn't beat a cop to death. And, you know, all these all these narratives that were being pushed, we're just starting to see now already, um, they can't keep up the pretense that long. So I'm I'm looking forward to what else starts to come through, right? When do they start actually doing reporting on Hunter Biden and that kind of thing and his connections to China and Russia and Ukraine. I, I, I think the future is going to be troublesome for Biden, and, and it just shows you can't keep the truth down very long. And I think it's it's actually uh, starting to pop up quicker than I thought it would. Well, uh, what what happens? What happens? <clears throat> we're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker. What happens if um we get a sense, and and you got to think that the intelligence community knows more than they're letting us know, right? What happens if we get a sense that this was a creation of the lab, uh, and and then we don't know this next part? If it was either a weaponized uh, effort gone bad or or a weaponized effort, I mean, what happens then? I mean, at what point does this become not just oh well, it's it's interesting whether it was in the wet lab with the bats or in the lab because you know we're having a, a multi-trillion-dollar cost to our economy and our people based on you know Chinese the Chinese regime mismanaging it. Yeah, you look and if you look at sort of the, the global consequences of it. As far as life goes, but also economic damage, it's it's yeah. really incalculable almost. So I, it, right. it's just another reminder of what a bad actor China is, and I, I don't even think it has to have been in them trying to weaponize it for people to draw conclusions about how dangerous it is. Like as we know, right, Dr. Fauci's group, the CDC, was giving funding to the Wuhan lab. So even if it wasn't directly related to this, well. The first thing we need to do is probably cut off U.S. funding uh, to scientific research in a place that isn't responsible enough to handle it, right, which we now know that, that, that China isn't. And we do have to 
just remind everybody they are a bad actor, right? They're building a deep sea navy. They're putting out boats every month, new ships every month, just to take us on, right? And they're building nuclear weapons uh, uh, furiously just to take us on. It's not anybody else. It's us. And it's not just because mm-hmm. they see uh, the world being split up into sort of super power confrontation. China thinks it's their kind of manifest destiny, if you will. It's their turn to be the big guy on the block. They think it's their turn to be the world power. Well, the only way they become the world power is if we're somehow pushed aside. And, and that's pretty scary no matter how you look at it, right? So um, yeah, um, they're, they're building a military to take us on militarily, and people need to remember that. We're talking with uh, Dr. Brett M. Decker, New York Times bestselling author. Um, same area of the world before I slide back, but a lot of coverage of Taiwan and uh, some of the, the computer chip makers uh, that we rely on for every 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 aspect of uh, life um, are made in Taiwan. Uh, you know, I mean, isn't isn't what happened to Hong Kong almost certainly going to happen to Taiwan? Meaning the Chinese are going to spend some years to do it, but they'll end up uh, taking over. And and doesn't it feel like they're um, you know Joe Biden is I, I don't know it just feels like a good time for the communist regime right now. Yeah, you know, ten fifteen years ago, um, the leaders in Taipei, the capital of Taiwan, were getting pretty soft, and they were starting to have a lot more economic cooperation in mainland China. A lot of them started to have apartments in Beijing and Shanghai, and, and it looked like they were throwing in the towel. But what woke the Taiwanese uh, political elite up again is seeing what happened in Hong Kong, right? Is Because what they were trying to sell Taiwan on is one country, two systems. You can keep having your democracy in Taiwan as long as you're part of one China again, but that's what they promised Hong Kong, and we see how that's gone. So one of the positives of the, um, the the tragedy in Hong Kong is it did wake up uh, Taiwanese leaders a little to the idea that you can't work collaboratively with Beijing because that's not what they're interested in. Um, on the on the on the chip front, um, companies in Vietnam and Malaysia are trying to increase their technological prowess uh, in preparation mm-hmm. of taking over some of that uh, some of that kind of uh, technological production in case anything happens in Taiwan. So the rest of the region, the South China Sea, they foresee something bad happening in Taiwan, and they're preparing to kind of fill at least uh, the industrial vacuum a little bit. That should scare us, too. Right. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker. Uh, sliding for a second, I just got a couple minutes left over the economy. We haven't talked to Dr. Decker in a few weeks, and this is in his wheelhouse. Um, you know, the jobs numbers was bad. Or the jobs number was bad a few weeks ago. Uh, inflation seems to be creeping up, at least the cost of living or, or some costs. What's your sense on the economy right now? I, you know, I think we're teetering on lots and lots of trouble. I mean, you know, if you look at some states are trying to get trying to refuse federal aid to their people because, you know, people aren't going to work, right? You have the shortage of workers. So states are trying to pay people to go back to their jobs. Well, you have a crazy economy when the state has to bribe people to actually go work. So um, it's, it's, it's almost crazier than paying people not to work in, in a certain way. So you have that. You have, uh, you know, the, the housing bubble is just getting more and more out of control. And... Uh, uh, you know, you, you have all these companies are just on the brink of, of, of collapse. And I, I think that's, you know, people made it through the coronavirus lockdown. 
now they're allowed to open and they can't get workers so they can stay open. So they're still at partial capacity here in this small town in Ohio. A lot of the restaurants and stores are on limited hours because they don't have enough people to, to, to stay open. Well, eventually all of these different factors hit home and you have a lot of bankruptcies and, and those have been forestalled, forestalled so far. But I mean, eventually you just have an avalanche of collapse. And I think that's, that's really dangerous. And, and inflate, inflation, right? Inflation's on the way and people need to get ready for that. How do you get ready for it? Uh, you know, I mean, you know, you, you, you try to, uh, to diversify a little bit and, and yeah, right. you know, if anything, cut down your spending. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the reality is the best thing ever is to have savings, but inflation hurts your savings, right? So, um, yeah, I think yeah. just being more responsible so you have more put away for a rainy day because the storm's coming. Mm-hmm. All right, Dr. Decker, I've got to go. The storm's coming, but I've got to go. Dr. Brett M. Decker, thank you as always. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now, continuing that legacy, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. President Joe Biden's long-delayed first press conference included obsessive references to Donald Trump, with Biden at one point exclaiming bizarrely how much he missed Trump. It's unclear what Biden meant by that, but it's crystal clear that our border agents miss Trump. Now that Trump is gone, the border agents have been overrun by illegal aliens attracted by Biden's invitation to unlawful immigration from Central America. Yet Joe Biden refuses to visit our patrol agents despite the humanitarian crisis that is attracting worldwide attention. Trump did not hesitate to announce his plans to visit the border. Trump's more presidential after leaving office than Joe Biden has ever been. Trump has completely exposed the lack of leadership in the White House today. Joe Biden announced that he'd assigned to his vice president, Kamala Harris, that she should handle the border crisis. Then Harris refused to go down there, too, perhaps realizing what a disaster such a visit would be for her political future. Harris's spokeswoman, Simone Sanders, told reporters, the vice president is not doing the border. Of course, making the call to avoid the border at all costs was not a surprising course of action for Harris. Politicians always avoid photo ops with problems that had been caused by their own policies. Humanitarian crises at the border are rarely reported by the mainstream media, but some news is so tragic it cannot be censored. A nine-year-old girl was reported to have died drowning while crossing the Rio Grande, while thousands of others have been sexually abused during the 2,000-mile trip from Central America. Joe Biden said his goal is to stop the stream of illegal migrants to the United States. But his actions speak louder than those words. Millions more will try to cross our border because Biden made clear he's not going to block their entry. While he and the vice president hide to save their political reputation, more and more young children will drown in the Rio Grande on their watch. If this is leadership, America truly has become an international disgrace. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the latest on building the wall to protect our southern border? To the liberal media, it's a joke. But the crisis of illegal aliens is no laughing matter. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're asking serious questions regarding what to build, who's paying for it, and how best to deploy our military. 
go to phyllisschlafly.com and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Got a quick wrap-up today. Uh, those interviews went long, and uh, please visit ProAmericaReport.com and check them out. Lots of good interviews. I went on with Eric Metaxas for a long time because I really do enjoy talking to him, and uh, that was very cool uh, to speak with him about that. All right. Uh, here's the story. Here's the story I want to tell you real quick. I don't know what to think of it. I'm not sure it matters. But do you remember that President Trump planned the Garden of American Heroes? He said he's going to have a Garden of American Heroes, and he put out the word and said, you know, tell me who, who you think should be in there, a National Garden of American Heroes statues. And uh, I don't even know if it was set to be on the White House grounds. I think it was somewhere else. But <laughs> people like Billy Graham, Whitney Houston, Harriet Tubman would have had their statues there. And Joe Biden just revoked that one. Now, I, this one is not such a big deal to me because it's kind of like one of these things where, you know, one person wants to change the drapes, the other person wants it. But it's hard to be against. Isn't it kind of hard to be against the, the, uh, the, the gallery of uh, American heroes, the Garden of American Heroes? That strikes me as hard to be against that one quite as much. But there you have it. I, I Probably a month or two from now, they'll have a new executive order and they'll call it the Gallery of American Heroes and he'll do his own version. I do think that's a kind of a... It's a nothing story, but kind of a fun one to make you smile. And uh, and I'm sure somewhere Trump is, if he had his Twitter, he'd be tweeting about it. So uh, probably better that he doesn't have his Twitter right now. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in. As always, we have uh, a lot over at ProAmericaReport.com. Thank you to Noah, our great technical director, Joanna, for booking our guests. And we will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego.